0: This must be something unusual for us to be celebrating Christmas in August. <laughs> we're um, we're not trying to start a new tradition. If um, if that's what happens, great. But um, people may think it odd to preach. The Lord's birth in uh, in the summer, but God's angels may find it strange that we are not awestruck. We're not more appreciative of the Lord's birth, and so make it more frequently the subject of our uh, of our preaching and our meditation and our worship. We um, try to save uh, worship for the Lord's birth until December, and then we're trying to compete with all the gift giving and um, uh, the artificiality of, uh, of Christmas. So uh, so there's a good purpose for us studying the Lord's birth now. Two weeks ago, we began our study of the book of Matthew by looking at the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. and um, the Lord's genealogy includes four Gentile women. We, um, we commented that um, the Lord didn't have to do that, but it shows the depth of his grace that he was willing to, to use these uh, Gentile women um, in, um, in the genealogy of, of our Lord. It shows the largeness of his grace. And then last week, We looked at a couple names of the Lord Jesus at the announcement of His birth. One was Emmanuel, God with us, and the other was Jesus, Jehovah saves, or Jehovah is salvation. Our scripture this week divides itself neatly into two sections, and um, we're going to look at in Matthew 2, 1 through 12, we're gonna look at the wise men before Herod in Jerusalem, and then we'll look at the wise men before Jesus in Bethlehem. So let's, um, let's turn to Matthew 2 and read uh, starting at verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. By way of um, background, we begin our scripture portion with um, with five words, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Such easy words to say, such um, such short, such a short phrase, and yet what volumes could be, should be written about the Lord's humility and his love and his grace. It's a privilege to speak of the person and work of our living Lord Jesus, And it is as heavy a responsibility not to speak beyond what the Holy Spirit has been pleased to reveal in God's Word. His was an infinite stoop from God's head glory to incarnation, to his birth. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, he is God manifested in the flesh. Jesus came in the likeness of men. He was born of a woman. That stresses the humanity of our Savior. Job uses the phrase born of a woman to uh, as an expression of human frailty and moral failure. Jesus was born of a woman and was in all points tempted like we are but without sin he was He was sinless as a young toddler. His parents must have rejoiced in his first steps. i don't remember Justin 's first steps, but I remember um, I remember Gabriel Long uh, pushing a cardboard box around the kitchen floor in his house in preparation for that first step, and uh, he waited for a while, but then he finally did, and so uh Now he's on the run. Behold, Jesus' hands, pink and new, yet he is the everlasting Father. All things were created through him and for him. In him all things consist. In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Isaiah called this child wonderful, for so he is full of wonder. In view of such contrasts that we see in the Lord Jesus, and uh, such a spectacular uh, view of his person, let's agree to come back here often, and to uh, pitch our tents here, and um, explore our Lord's incarnation. But we must move on. We see in our passage that um, Jesus was born in the days of Herod the king. Who was Herod? Unger says in his Bible dictionary that Herod was not only an Idumean in race. The Idumeans were Edomites. They were from uh, Esau's. Uh, They were descendants of Esau. Herod was a Jew in religion, but he was a heathen in practice and a monster in in character. During his administration as king, he evidenced himself to be exceedingly crafty, jealous, cruel, and vengeful. He exercised his kingly power with the disposition of a tyrant and oppressor. This character, characteristic was illustrated in, his, in its worst form toward the sem- several members of his own family. He had nine or 10 wives, and on the merest suspicion put to death his favorite wife, Mariamne, and also her brothers, Aristobulus and Alexander. And at last, when on his own deathbed, he ordered his son Antipater to be slain. It's no wonder that Augustus Caesar should have ridiculed this Jewish king, saying, it is better to be Herod's hog than to be his son. Yeah, monstrous. Um, It's uh, worse than fiction, really. But we read also in our first verse that there were wise men from the East who came to Jerusalem. Who were these wise men? We use the word magi because that's uh, close to the original Greek. These men were of a sacred order of the Medes. They were astrologers and astronomers. They were Gentiles. They were non-Jews. The prophet Daniel was appointed head of these astronomers when in Babylonian captivity, 500 or more years previous to the Lord's birth. In fact, the queen of the Babylonian king, Belteshazzar, told Belteshazzar about Daniel, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. So Daniel was appointed head over these men in Persia and he, his association with the Magi gives some respectability to them in, uh, in our present verse. What was the purpose of the Magi? In verse two, they, um, they have a question. They say, who is he? Where is he who is born King of the Jews? They, we've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. They declare, their purpose very plainly. Worship, we've come to worship him. The word in the original means to show reverence by bowing or kneeling. In the New Testament Greek, the, uh, the root for the word worship comes from the word to kiss. And so originally uh, there's the thought of perhaps uh, kissing, offering a kiss in reverence to, Um, to a great person. Immediately the question rises, why do heathen wise men want to worship the king of the Jews? And still a larger question, if they find the king of the Jews, what guarantee do they have that he will receive them, that he will accept their worship? They're not Jews. He is the king of the Jews. This question seems to be answered during Jesus' later ministry in the book of, uh, here in the book of Matthew. And so I'd like you to turn please to Matthew 15 and read a story about a Gentile Canaanite woman who came to Jesus. Matthew 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word. See, this this woman came to Jesus uh, on the basis of of um, being a Jew. She called him, Lord, son of David. And the Lord did not answer her. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. I thought the disciples were being uh, rather cruel, but uh, actually they may have been saying, Lord, grant her her request and send her away for she's, uh, she's bothering us. In verse 24, but he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Jesus denied her request. Jesus said no on the grounds that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel we can work this out in, uh, in our thinking by considering a prophecy of Isaiah. And while you have your finger there in Matthew 15, I'd like to look back at uh, Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49 and verses five and six. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him, for I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my Lord shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will give you as a light to the Gentiles that you, shall be, you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. What is the Lord saying here? He's saying that really I'm going to give you to, uh, to raise up the tribes of Jacob. I'm going to give you to Israel to restore the uh, preserved ones there. But because of the largeness of the gift that I'm giving, I want to include not just Jacob, not just Israel, but I want to include the Gentiles as well. And so he says um, to his servant, he says, I will give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So yes, I'm giving you to restore Israel, but in addition to that, you're going to be a light to all nations. Really, that's what Gentiles mean means in uh, Hebrew is uh, nations. I'm gonna give you as a light and uh, you will be my salvation to them, to these Gentiles. The largeness of God's gift was too limited, uh, was to a, a recipient too limited in the Jews. He would extend that to the Gentiles as well. Jesus would be God's salvation to the ends of the earth and Media and Persia from where the Magi came probably seemed like one end of the earth. Who sent the star to the east that the Magi followed? God did. God sent this this star. He invited the Gentiles to enjoy his salvation. So, The king of the Jews is also a light to the Gentiles and God's salvation to the ends of the earth. So let's finish our story of the Canaanite woman back to Matthew 15. She persisted, she didn't give up. And she said, verse 27, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. The Lord had told her it's not right to to feed the little dogs with the children's bread. Yes, I understand, but even the little dogs eat that which falls from the children's table. Then Jesus answered her and said, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This settles it in my mind that the Lord Jesus was um, the king of the Jews, but as he fed the nation of Israel, there were crumbs that fell off and fed the, uh, the Gentile puppies, the little dogs below. So we have uh, salvation as crumbs from the, Gent- from the, from the Jewish table. The Magi's worship to the king of the Jews would be yet another part of his welcome to earth. To Joseph, God revealed the king as Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, and also as Emmanuel, God, with us. To Mary, God revealed the king as the son of the highest. To Simeon, the consolation of Israel, to the shepherds watching over their flocks by night, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And to these magi, he reveals his servant as the King of the Jews. The wonder of God's compassion is that he could love Israel, and if we understand the, that wonder, the uh, the wonder continues as his love spills over into the uh, Gentiles. The Magi were non-Jews, heathen in a Jewish land. They must have been men of position and dignity to gain audience with the king of, um, of Judah, with Herod. So we, um, we see Herod's response in verse three, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all, all Jerusalem with him. In response to the Magi's question, Herod immediately went on the defensive. There was a flashing red light in Herod's mind. Um, suspicion, fear, anger. He was not ready to give up his throne even though he was about 67 years old, he was in the 35th year of a 37 year reign, he was not about to relinquish his, um, his grip on his kingdom. Herod claimed to be Jewish, but he resisted the intrusion of the prophesied king of the Jews in his life and in the national life of Israel. What a contrast. Herod had great privilege. He had God's word with all its warnings, all its promises, all its invitations. But he resisted the rule of an infinitely greater king. The Magi had no apparent Jewish ties. They had only a very limited knowledge of the Lord, but they sought him, and they sought him diligently. Like Herod, Many people today react with horror at the thought of a divine judge ruling over their lives. They'll do whatever they can to break this grip, to resist this holy power that that threatens to control them. The first advent or arrival of Jesus to earth was disruptive, it was threatening. It interfered with people's wicked plans. All that said, still Herod was more perceptive and more honest than professed followers of Jesus today who think that that Jesus will make no demands on their lives, that he will require no radical changes, no repentance. Herod was uh, at least perceptive enough to realize there were going to be massive changes under this king of the Jews. We will side with either Herod or the Magi at the Lord's first coming by our personal response to the Lord's promised second coming. What do you think about the Lord's second coming? Do you love the Lord's appearing or will it cause unwanted disruption of your life plans. Herod had sense enough to go to the experts. In verse four, uh, when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Do you notice anything different about Herod's request? The subject here is the king of the Jews. Herod asks about Christ. There's, they're different. Herod's um, Herod Herod's question: uh, Where does he get Christ in um, um, equivalent to the King of the Jews? Well, there is scripture. And um, it's curious what scripture Herod might have used to make this connection between the Magi's king of the Jews and um, his Christ. We find one such connection in Psalm 2. Uh, Please turn to Psalm 2. Lots here, um, lots here to gather from Psalm 2, so let's read very carefully. Why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Anointed is um, the same as Christ. That's what Christ means, is anointed. Saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast their cords from us. And then here's the Lord's answer He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his, great, in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations, that is our Gentiles, again, for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Herod must have have read this and he must have found himself in Psalm two. He was among those who who plotted a vain thing. He was a king of the earth who set himself uh, against the Lord and against his Christ. But the Lord would set his king on this holy hill in verse 6. So you can fight Herod. You can fight the Lord. But he's going to prevail. He's going he's to win. And his king he will install on the throne. So what should Herod do? He should take instruction. He should kiss the son. Just like we uh, read of the Magi, their desire was to worship the son. This is God's instruction to Herod, worship him. Do not resist him. Do not defy him. The Lord was giving Privileged King Herod, an extra warning. He was uh, he was coming to Herod a second time. God would meet with severity any defiance of the King of the Jews. So you're warned, King Herod. You're on notice. Do not resist this King of the Jews. So they, they help him, the um, chief priests and scribes, in verse, uh, verse five, they turn to Micah and they read the, um, the prophecy there in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel no matter what their anxiety was about the birth of this king, they were willing to answer faithfully and authoritatively uh, the location of his birth. Show us, um, please, a photograph of Bethlehem. Uh, this photograph was taken in, the, uh, in 1890, so um, Bethlehem didn't look this big um, 2,000 years ago. It was uh, probably the home of about 3,000 people. So it was small, it was tiny, um, and it didn't have this many uh, people in it. These are actually uh, um, people celebrating Christmas there. But um, you get an idea. There are no uh, four and five story buildings. Um, it's, uh, It's a humble city, even in 1890. So um, now Herod knows where, but uh, he wants now to find out when. It's not enough to know where this king's going to be born. So in um, verse 7, he secretly calls the wise men and uh, not interrogated, but inquired from them what time the star appeared. And the, the Magi were happy to, to tell the king. They weren't um, suspecting anything wrong. But imagine the Magi's outrage if they found out that Herod would use that information to, uh, against the, um, the king of the Jews. God was not going to allow it. So um, Herod instructs the Magi in verse eight, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. What do you think this savage king intended to do? He knows the location, he's asking for the time that I, may, I too may worship him. Herod didn't have to say that. Just tell the, just tell the Magi, find out, um, uh, find out where he is, and, um, and that's enough. But he seeks to win their confidence. He seeks to, to win their full cooperation by saying, I'm gonna worship him too. Deception and treachery are their blackest when they're covered by religious devotion. And this is what Herod intended. And perhaps to show his confidence in the Magi, he sent no one from his own court. He sent no uh, no one with the Magi in in God's providence. So uh, those are the wise men before Herod we want to shift now to um, the wise men before Jesus in Jerusalem. In verse nine, they, when they heard the king they departed and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Bethlehem was only five miles from Jerusalem. So it was an easy, uh, easy trek. And the star reappeared, it had, uh, it had vanished when they arrived in Jerusalem, but now stood over the young, where the young child was. Slow our, show our slide. So here's an artist's depiction of, of what it must have looked like. Some of our modern scholars say, well, Saturn and Jupiter met in the, uh, in the night sky and um, uh, so that was what the um, Magi were following. How, how is that going to point to the house where Jesus was living? Okay, so this is more accurate that um, uh, there, the star shone down on their house. Imagine their, their delight when, uh, when God was leading, was showing so clearly what, uh, where the king of the Jews lived. They were beside themselves with joy. The completion of their mission was in sight But would they be disappointed? Stand with the Magi for a minute and look around. Were there no multitudes crowding in to honor the king? And why wasn't the king living in a palace, in Herod's palace? Why wasn't he being attended by servants? Why wasn't he being fed in in luxury and wearing uh, the finery of a king? Thankfully, the Magi were intent on the person and not on the surroundings. We who follow Jesus today should not be discouraged that there are so few. In verse 11, the Magi found their king. When they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. So they entered the house of. Joseph and Mary and the child Jesus imagine your own home and a knock on the door some evening and foreign dignitaries have gathered at your front door what would be your response unannounced um, you'd ask them uh, yes what would you like their response we've come to worship the king how could you turn them down? Uh, translated into um, modern terms, uh, what, if, um, what if your neighbor comes to you and um, he's from Persia or, or uh, Iran or Iraq, and he says, um, I've come to find the Lord Jesus. I've come to find the king. How could you turn him down or her? They fell down and worshiped Jesus. The Magi prostrated themselves. They fell flat before the king, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, Jehovah saves. Show us the slide. So it's, um, it's difficult to visualize in my mind what it means to, uh, to be prostrate, to fall down and worship. And so here's, um, Here's a photo of of one who has prostrated himself in in worship. What was the substance of the Magi's worship? Well, let's go back 500 plus years to back to Persia, back to Medes, and uh, read in the book of Daniel what their praise was. In Daniel 6, um, 26, here is the praise of... um, from the land of the Magi. He is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, amen. They worshiped the Lord Jesus. They worshiped the King of the Jews. They didn't worship Mary. Imagine the inexcusable blunder the image I made if Mary were the mother of God or the mediatrix between sinners and Jesus. He bypassed, they bypassed Mary and went directly to Jesus because he alone is worthy of that honor. Mary did not insert herself, uh, assert herself, or insist on any uh, special favor. And uh, the Magi prostrated themselves and then they offered gifts. Gold, perhaps representing the Lord's deity, the shining perfection of his divine person. Frankincense, an ointment or perfume suggesting the Lord Jesus' life of sinless perfection. And myrrh, a bitter herb, foretelling Jesus' suffering that he would endure in bearing the sins of the world. Verse 12, being div- divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own co- to their, for their own country another way. God led the Magi by a star and by prophecy, being retold by the scripture scholars of the day, by instruction from a wicked king, by a star again, and finally by a dream. The Lord alerted the Magi to the birth of the king of the Jews and they responded by traveling almost a thousand miles to reach him. If they, if they started in Shushan in, in Persia, it would have been uh, uh, almost 1,000 miles. So we've done this before. How far could you go traveling 30 miles a day, say? Um, how long would it take you to get to Jerusalem, 1,000 miles? It'd be, uh, it'd be over a month that they were in transit and in some pretty hostile terrain. What obstacles or hindrances do we come, do we uh, overcome to reach Jesus, to um, to be a part of his meetings weekly, to be uh, at his feet daily in the morning? What obstacles do we overcome? He came from glory for you. The Magi enjoyed several hours at most before their king, before they turned around and went back a month's travel to to their home. We have access to the Lord 24-7. Do we use that? Do we take advantage of it? The Magi brought substantial gifts. What are the gifts that we offer of our time, our wealth, our energy, our lives? Are they gifts of such value that a king would appreciate? They prostrated themselves before Jesus. Do we humble ourselves before the king of the Jews or do we race through a daily devotional guide and call that our duty done for the day? 2,000 years ago, the Magi asked, where is he who is born king of the Jews? In 2019, the king of the Jews asks, where are the Magi? What application can we make from today's message? Well, tell the Jews their king has been born in Bethlehem. Tell the Gentiles that the king of the Jews is the light of the Gentiles and God's salvation to the ends of the earth. Salvation is in a person that God gave. In Isaiah 49:6, we read, I give my servant, I give my servant a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. I've asked um, David and Michael if we could sing in closing, O come all ye faithful. And one of the lines in that hymn is, O come, let us adore him. The Magi adored the Lord Jesus. Now, in modern usage, adore means to be infatuated or crazy about something or someone. Um, But when this hymn was written, to adore meant to worship with profound reverence, to address with exalted thoughts, to, uh, to pay divine honors to and so that's what I would like us to do um, after we pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your scripture and what you have revealed to us. We're privileged people today to have the completed record of um, your son, our Lord Jesus. And so um, we pray that those of us who do not know him would obey the um, the strict warnings, uh, take the precious promises and receive your, your great invitation to eternal life. Those of us who do know you, Lord, we pray that we would imitate the Magi and overcome those obstacles that keep us from uh, relevant worship, um, that we might adore him. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.